Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose companies, people, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. Every day, about 38 million pounds of trash are dumped into our oceans. My guest today, Brian Linton, is aiming to correct that. His organic and eco-friendly clothing and accessories retailer, United by Blue, sells products that are built for sustainable living, including, among other things, flannel shirts, which I can see Brian right now, and it looks like a super comfy flannel hoodie type shirt hybrid thing. Um, And these shirts and all this apparel, they're actually made out of recycled plastic. A certified B Corp since 2011, the company removes one pound of trash from oceans and waterways for every product purchased, which to date has equated to more than 3 million pounds of trash, i.e. tires, plastic bottles, bits of styrofoam. And the Philadelphia-based company has also been quick on its feet amid the COVID-19 pandemic, pivoting from apparel to providing locally sourced food, working with insurance providers to get fresh food delivered to seniors and at-risk groups. Brian, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you. Good to be here. And it's good to uh, see you virtually, hunkering down in a cabin north. <laughs> we will not talk about the location itself, but we talked off air. It's very dirty dancing, which I love. <laughs> and honestly, the clothing you're wearing looks super, super comfy. So I'm fascinated how you can take plastic out of the ocean and make really, really comfy apparel. So let's just start there, and then we'll work our way backwards. Yeah, we make a lot of apparel that's good for the cities where we're actually from. United by Blue's based in Philadelphia, but then it's great for the outdoors as well. The outdoor aesthetic is appropriate these days from a city street to a mountain cabin. What we do, though, is we make products from a variety of sustainable materials. And one actually misconception is that we use the trash. We actually do use a lot of recycled plastic, but we currently don't actually use the plastics that are coming out of the oceans from our cleanups. So. Uh. Yeah. So it's a common misconception, but essentially the materials that we do use, we use recycled polyester, which, you know, does come from recycled water bottles, other post-consumer plastic, polyester-based plastics, organic cotton, tensile, which is a fiber from eucalyptus trees. And then we also use a lot of wool as well as bison fiber. So we make products out of a natural fiber that comes from the American bison, the buffalo. And that's used in a lot of our insulated garments, like our outerwear, our jackets, as well as socks and hats and things like that. Interesting. Where are you sourcing the bison fiber? I mean, obviously I know it comes from bison, but yeah, where are you actually getting the material itself? I mean, there got to be a lot of cold bison out there right now, like shivering naked bison. <laughs> well, we don't rob anybody's fur during the winter time. And the way that it actually works is that, so bison are a ranched species now. So there's about 600,000 bison that are on North American ranches throughout the US and Canada. And those are raised for their meat. And one really important thing about bison as a sustainability conservation species is that they are a a native species to North America. They're not a genetically inbred species like a traditional cow is. It is a wild, whether or not it's on a ranch or not, it, it is a native wild species. So it is good for the land and reintroducing them to the grasslands of North America has actually proven to be really a healthy thing for the prairies that have been, by removing the bison, over the last 100, 200 years, it's actually caused a lot of environmental degradations in those areas. So introducing them, even if they are on ranches, has actually improved grasslands and also then in many ways helps with carbon sequestration, which is really important, obviously, from a climate change standpoint. 
So despite it being a farming activity, which has negativity around the meat industry, which is not a perfect industry, no matter how you cut or dice it, we really want to support this industry of bison because not only is it a really badass animal, but it's also a great way to be an environmentalist and use an animal. And so the way that we participate in this is we've inserted ourselves into the supply chain through basically a value add to the supply chain. The supply chain is end result is the meat, which is the highest value. In that process, historically, the fiber and the hide has been wasted, thrown away, discarded, burned. And so we've been able to insert ourselves into an existing supply chain to take that fiber at the time of processing so that it doesn't go into a landfill or get incinerated. And so that's one way of doing it. We also do live shear. So in the spring, before the animal sheds their coat, because basically like a dog, right? They have a winter coat and they grow it starting in the fall throughout the winter, gets really warm. And then in the spring, April, May, they shed it. And they have hair on them in the summertime, but not a lot. So we can insert ourselves into live shearing at the point of like April where they don't need it anymore. And we can help them <laughs> give them a haircut before they need to do it on their own. So we've done a couple ways of harvesting the fiber and we've harvested tens and tens of thousands of bison fiber over the last few years. And it's been a really amazing material for us. And I'm really proud of the sustainability attributes of it because it's a hell of a lot better than creating something from synthetics or other materials that don't already exist readily. I'm not going to lie. You're making me a little hungry because <laughs> bison's also like, it's, it's actually a healthier meat. It is. As far as red meat goes, but it's also really tasty. But how did you come up with that? I mean, that's like, I, I want to think that you were just like with a buddy at Bear Burger one day, like eating the bison burger. And you're like, <laughs> I wonder where their coats go during, before they go to the winter. But how did you come up with that? You know, one thing about the way that I've approached United by Blue over the years is that we are a lifestyle brand. You know, we make, like you said, flannels and various different accessories and full outfits. You know, you can go to unitedbyblue.com and dress head to toe. But I don't just see us as a lifestyle brand, although that's the byproduct of our existence and what we make, it's a lifestyle product. I do look at us as sort of an innovator and vanguard of sustainability and of supply chain innovation, even if it's not screaming at a surface level. When you dig deep into the layers of United by Blue, there's a lot of these types of stories about ways and things that we've done to push sustainability forward. Because I don't believe sustainability is a status quo, or I, I know it's not a status quo. The sustainability of yesterday is not the sustainability of tomorrow. When we look back 10 years from now, the sustainable companies of today, if they don't continue to evolve and push things forward, they will be just normal. Using organic cotton 10 years ago, when I started this was somewhat innovative. It wasn't everywhere. It wasn't at H&M. It wasn't at all these retailers trying to tell stories. It wasn't at trade shows. People would be like, organic cotton, what does that mean? And now that type of material is standard. There is still conventional cotton and majority of cotton still used as conventional, but it's not the differentiating factor in being sustainable is using something like organic cotton. So I guess to answer your question about how the bison came up, it was looking for ways to push the industry forward. And this was years ago, five, six years ago, where I was using a lot of wool and making these socks out of wool. And I thought that there must be a natural fiber out there that's not being utilized at the same scale as wool that I can accomplish similar, if not better performance from. And so I started looking at animals because really, I mean, there's nothing special about the sheep as an animal that is any different than many other animals that have fiber for warmth. Humans don't grow fiber for warmth. We grow hair yeah, it's got a warmth factor and it's evolutionary thing that we, when we used to have a whole bunch of hair on our bodies that was for warmth, but like 
I still know people like that. You know, shout out to my friend, Steve Gershman, who is like Sasquatch. He doesn't need, he can walk outside naked in 10 degrees and he's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, you obviously need a lot of clothing and I do. (laughs) Me too. I grew up my hair for COVID and this is the longest and my, I've never had facial hair, but anyways, so animals are growing fiber for warmth. A lot of animals are looking at the world through that lens and saying, okay, well, if natural fiber is being created to create warmth, what are the animals that are uniquely needing a lot of warmth? And like, so you look to areas that have animals that are going to be frigidly cold if they don't. And Yellowstone winters or Northern Canada, Northern Alberta plains, that's where some of our bison come from. Those are frigid, freaking cold places. I went up to Alberta once to visit our bison ranch. And it was like negative 30 degrees and it was normal. That was just normal weather. So that's the type of animal I wanted to figure out how to use. And I also want to find an animal that was readily available, not endangered, obviously, and has a supply chain opportunity that was wasting a material that should be utilized. Right. No, that makes total sense. Now you have an interesting background. I know you are born in the great state of Vermont. You left when you were one. You probably don't remember that. And you spent the majority of your childhood and adolescence traveling and living throughout Asia, right? I did, yeah. And then you came back, I guess, to the States for education at Temple University? Yeah, I did my last and final year at Temple. I, like all of my earlier life, my college was very nomadic. I did three different schools in three years and graduated in 2008 from Temple. So Okay. So it wasn't that you were kicked out for doing anything bad. <laughs> no, but I, I wasn't bouncing around because I enjoyed the places. My first place I went was in Michigan, which was a very odd place for me to end up from growing up in Tokyo and Singapore. I definitely struggled there. Got into a little bit of trouble, but really just didn't have a good experience integrating back into the US being an American by birth, but also American by culture and raising you know, my family, extended family, it's just because I grew up in Asia. But it was very challenging for me to come to a smaller town in the US and just think I could just pick up where I left off when I was 13 months old. <laughs> so well, yeah, but you might not realize it, or I guess as you get older, and now you're a dad yourself, you probably have an appreciation for the fact that It is a competitive advantage and a strategic weapon for good to actually having been raised outside of the United States and then come back to the United States. Because you, whether you like it or not, or even recognize it, and maybe you do, you likely have this worldview that is just so much broader. Your aperture is so much wider than the rest of us. Like I I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, went to school in Washington, D.C., and that's great. And I feel like I have a pretty, but you know, the only way I can open my aperture is by watching BBC and less CNN because BBC <laughs> covers the world and NPR covers the world, you know? So you end up at Temple, you end up graduating from Temple and you won a business plan competition at Temple. Was that the business plan that eventually became United by Blue? Not directly. No, it was organic grocery concept. And this was 2008. And so I, I've always been interested in natural, sustainable cafe products, all all of that type of stuff. It's funny, actually. So what I actually have as a byproduct, or not as a byproduct, but as a channel of United by Blue, which came years after winning the business plan for this entirely different concept, United by Blue in some ways has that as a part of our business and as a part of the spirit of United by Blue. So what I mean by that is our two stores in Philadelphia are actually cafes with organic local food that we serve. We have full kitchens, it's a full restaurant integrated into the stores that sell United by Blue products. 
So in some ways that is related and even more so in COVID, which is actually the funny part of it all. It didn't really dawn on me until this happened, but we almost have exactly what that business plan was because when COVID hit in March, we transformed one of our stores into a essentially a grocery store. And we were selling all of the food products that were prior, they were going into the finished food products that we were serving. But then we just started buying the fish, the meat, the toilet paper, and made a basically a mini mart because we were a food business. We were able to stay open in the lockdown. And so when, when I looked at that for a second, I was like, wow, that 12 years ago, that was the concept. It was a, a local smaller cafe slash grocery store that was basically mini Whole Foods combined with Starbucks, which now seem like a logical type of concept. You wouldn't really think twice when you see something like that. But that was what I did the business plan for in Temple. Not that anybody asked me this question, but if you asked me, hey, Aaron, do you believe in the singularity? I'd say, no, I believe in intersectionality. And what you just described is intersectionality, right? Because one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. There are ideas yeah. that either have been activated or are semi-dormant in your head or on a spreadsheet somewhere that eventually will surface again, right? And that's just a great example. And by doing that, not only did you probably save some jobs, but you also helped improve lives of others who were able to get food where they weren't before. And at the same time, you're also able to continue to keep your doors open and your business running. Even if it's at a lower rate, it's better than no rate at all. And it gives you another day to fight, right? It does. That's exactly it. I mean, when we were faced with the decisions that we had to, everybody had to face in mid to end of March, it was either lay off more people or find a way to survive. And I agree with that completely about ideas and your course in life and your career is some form of continuation of whatever your earlier life was. I mean, like for me, even United by Blue is a manifestation of growing up in Asia and seeing the oceans and all these different areas and knowing the issues that we were facing, having an opportunity to scuba dive, things like that. I mean, everything happens for that reason. And even the groceries have led to not only job protection, but job creation. We've actually hired over 25 people during COVID for a grocery program to deliver groceries to seniors under Medicare, working with insurance companies and using our other store, which has remained closed, but actually turned into a grocery distribution center for that. And so again, very different than selling flannels and arguably a different business sector altogether. But it's been an exciting year for me because of those types of ways of thinking and very, very agile team that's been able to capture some of these opportunities that have come out of COVID, which I know has a huge implications for the world economy, the health of people. But I look at COVID as some of the more interesting times for business and innovation just because of things like that. Yeah. Someone said to me recently that COVID has made us kind of relearn our jobs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if that job is as an entrepreneur and you're working in one sector, but suddenly you have to pivot into other sectors or adjacencies. And it's been interesting. I mean, for me, that's absolutely true. I also think it's given many of us kind of a greater appreciation in general, just being more grateful. Gratitude is an important thing that we don't practice enough, right? In a country, sense, this, like, country, this country has a problem with that. I think it starts from the top. Yeah. That's, that's part of it. <laughs> it does. And hopefully the top will be changed soon enough. One of your philosophies is change comes in waves, Yeah, which I love. Can you just kind of unpack that a little bit and explain what you mean by that? Yeah. 
I love that you asked this. I don't really get asked this very often, but our tagline that we use to basically expand on what the concept of United by Blue is, you know, to start maybe, United by Blue means we're united by the blue parts of our planet, by water, right? And so we all need it to live. We're all united by it, no matter if you're red, blue, black, white, Asian, American, doesn't matter. Water is the one unifying, non-discriminating factor of life, right? And that's what the unity of the world needs to be sort of like around. It's like, hey, we're And it's what we were born in, most of us, right? We were swimming. We were born, right, in water, in fluid, that is, right? For sure, yeah. like That nourished us. Yeah, yeah. Water first, air second, right? Like we didn't breathe air until after birth. And so what change comes in waves means... And what it means to United by Blue and what it means to me is that things don't follow a linear path. Although things do seem like they change gradually, there is like moments. There's moments in time and there's moments where things accelerate and things change in waves. And so a wave comes. And right now we're at the bottom of a wave for things like single-use plastic, for instance. Last two years, wow, we were on a tidal wave cresting with this massive awareness, everybody talking about single-use plastic everybody going crazy over the straws and the bags. And it was awesome, right? And we're selling like these straw cases with stainless steel straws, encouraging people not to use plastics. And then COVID hit, and then the election hit. And people literally like stopped talking about plastics and started using plastics, myself included, to stay safe from the virus, right? Especially in that crazy time. I mean, April 1st, you better believe when I was at the grocery store, I had those, I had the gloves on. That was really important to people. And But what's happened now, unfortunately, is that that sort of awareness for plastics and everything like that is, it's bottomed out a little bit. I think we'll come back into a wave of awareness once we get out of 2020 and into more normalcy and back to things that matter. And I actually think that even the waves of social, environmental, mission-driven businesses, there's different waves of what people care about and how they care about it, how they manifest it. I mean, even you look at social media and the trends, like everything happens in waves, right? So recognizing that and not being discouraged by when things aren't happening the way you think they should be or the way they were last year is for me a good way symbolically of looking at how long some things take as well. 10 years in to United by Blue, when I originally started it, I would have thought if you looked at my original probably plan, We'd be, I don't know, a billion dollar company right now solving all the world's issues. But that was disillusioned in terms of, you know, that was entrepreneurial optimistic thinking. What I've learned over the 10 years is not trying to say I'm pessimistic now, but I'm realistic in the fact that things take time and they come in waves. And you have to time that just like a surfer has to time what wave they're going to ride. We like to look at things that way as well. I know that's a little bit philosophical. No, 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 not at all. I mean, what you're really talking about in marketing terms is resonance right? And meeting unmet needs. But, you know, off air, we were talking a little bit about how the definition of sustainability and the actions that followed 10 years ago when you started are very different today. And the priorities for sustainability are different today than they were 10 years ago. And that's what you mean, right? The waves are changing and you need to catch the right wave. And I think that the big challenge for all of us, and, you know, you mentioned social justice, and we're seeing it following the murder of George Floyd, is how do you make it less of a wave and more of a current that stays, you know, not just to, yeah. you know, grossly extend your analogy a little bit. No, no, no. But, I, change comes with the current. That could right. be the evolution of it because it's true. I mean, waves are the problem as well as the solution with change, right? It's like 
to the point of the single-use plastics, it's like, why can't you have your cake and eat it too? Why can't you have political turmoil, COVID, and still care about plastics? Right. Well, and I think human beings have like a megabyte. We have our own internal like digital storage capacity, right? We can only take just so sure. much process, so much. And I actually think many of us, myself included, we're like at our max right now for so yeah. many reasons that we just discussed. And I think yeah. that's probably part of it. You know, I'm always looking for permanence and I just find it interesting. So, you know, you're 10 years in and you have a couple of retail locations. I know that they've been through transitions because of COVID, but it sounds like you've also pivoted to becoming more of a digitally native brand now as well, and that you're doing a lot of e-commerce. Yeah. So we're coming into COVID and still currently we have our three main channels, our physical retail stores, which is just the two stores. We have our wholesale business, which services about a thousand retail doors across primarily North America and Europe, some in Asia, but mostly North America. And then we have our e-commerce business, which is at unitedabagu.com. And that has definitely had the largest positive impact from COVID. So wholesale, you're really decimated for the first half of the year. Things have come back quite okay, despite obviously a lot of the uncertainty around physical retail still. We've, we're fortunate to be in the outdoor space, which has actually been not as impacted as safe fashion. So we sell REI and various, especially outdoor stores. They're actually feeling like it's an okay year. People are biking more, hiking more, camping more. We're not selling tents or anything like that, but we get the halo effect of that outdoor impact. Oh yeah. I mean, I tried to buy a stand-up paddleboard back in August and like, no way. There's no, there, I couldn't find one anywhere. It was impossible. Yeah. You know, yeah. kayak, stand-up paddleboards, bike shops, like my bike shop, 90% of their revenue is coming from repairs because- they sold out of new bikes and then there's a yeah. backlog because of manufacturing for new bikes. Yeah, exactly. It's an amazing time right now in, in the outdoor space. The challenges are numerous and they're they're both good and bad challenges. And then the e-commerce business though, that's been the way that we've actually still scaled the business is because obviously digital has been where people spend their money now. And fortunately, we have a really great way of approaching retail online. And for us also, like one of the big factors of this year that I think has been a, a big win for us has been recognizing that United by Blue is not just a brand, but a platform for sustainability. And what I mean by that is that we have customers coming to us that are willing and, and ready and open to buying from us as a retailer agnostic of the brand, as long as it's, you know, best in class sustainability or social mission driven product. And so what we've seen a lot of success with as United by Blue is using United by Blue's direct to consumer channel as a multi-brand platform by working with other brands, telling other stories, broadening our reach by way of telling stories that we believe in, even if it's a competitor's product or a product that we're not making directly and making obviously then less money on, but we believe in, and we believe in this greater mission brand economy, which is something that we're also really proud of, an initiative that we started right after COVID called the Mission Brand Alliance. And what the Mission Brand Alliance is, is basically a coalition, a cooperative, if you will, of brands that are mission brands that are basically coming together to lift everybody up. A rising tide lifts all ships, essentially. And that's something that missionbrandalliance.com is basically the alliance. It's like an airline alliance. Why does Lufthansa and United work together when they're competitors? Well, it's because that same passenger is probably going to fly across multiple airlines, especially depending on routes and depending on cost and everything like that. So why not make it easier for them to find the quality that they want and use the points and everything like that 
so that they can have the best experience possible so that they both win. So that Lufthansa United, as an example, both win. So the idea with Mission Brands is that, hey, we're all in it to do something good for this world. Yes, we're large in part for-profit business, want to do good, want to make money, but we also want to leave the world better than we found it. So let's work together. Let's co-market. Let's save cost on reaching the same customer because as much as I would love to think that a mission customer chooses a brand like United by Blue and just buys it entirely head to toe, they don't. Even I don't. I'm wearing my top and my hat, but I'm not wearing all United by Blue at any given time. And so that's the same mentality that the Mission Brand Alliance can have is that like an airline alliance, we can come together, create opportunities for the consumer to learn more about everybody, share customers, share the reach, and all benefit. And so we have a catalog actually going out for the holidays that is going out to 250,000 people, fully carbon offset, zero carbon footprint. And it's to the best 250,000 mission-driven customers in the country. And you know why we know that? Because it's all our best customers. Right. So all 20 of the brands that are in this alliance. So 20 brands sending it to their best customers, introducing it to all of these other brands. I'm really excited. As you can see, there's not a lot to say from a business perspective of this yet, but I'm really excited about it because it shows United by Blues, I think, ability to network in the mission brand economy and be sort of that connector of the pieces here so that we can really push things. Same thing about sustainability is not a status quo. I think the mission brand economy is not a status quo. And there's so much opportunity still with brands and businesses that are created already or going to be created to do good for the world. Yeah, I love the mission brand economy. By the way, I hope I'm on that list. I should be, but we'll see. <laughs> if I you were the best customer of one of those 20 brands, you probably are. <laughs> possibly. More often than not, my wife's the best customer. That helps. Go. So I'll have yeah. to check in with her. Yeah. <laughs> but I love mission brand economy, especially because we've moved away from, I hope and think, this winner take all type economy. And you know we see it, right? You mentioned REI earlier, and you did this hashtag opt outside and opt to act, right? You did this thing called Blue Friday, which is kind of cool. Did you do that this year or is it last year? That was last year. This year, we are still working with them on opt outside. They do that every Black Friday. We were doing Blue Friday. We work with REI from a retail perspective. So they actually came to us and said, hey, for this Black Friday, for our opt outside, we want to change it to opt to act. And we want to do cleanups instead of just telling people to spend time outdoors. So that's how we got involved with that. We helped coordinate all that. This year's obviously cleanups have changed and getting together with people in large groups has not been conducive to cleanup. So we'll still be encouraging people to go outside on Blue Friday slash Black Friday slash Opta Act to go clean up areas in their local areas. And we made this cleanup kit, one that REI is selling, an Opta Act cleanup kit as well as a United by Blue cleanup kit on our website that basically gives people the reusable bag, the gloves, the bandana to take their Instagram shot with, just really empowering people with the tools to go out and do a cleanup on their own. Yeah. Or the bandana is good for your dog, right? They're great for dogs. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> loves a dog with a bandana. It's super yeah. cute. They're great for yeah. face masks. That too. Yep. We've sold an obscene amount of bandanas this year because of COVID. So... <laughs> Oh, I bet you have. And gators, right? So that's the other one is bandanas yeah. and gators. Yeah. You take about face masks. That's the wild card. Landfills. Of the yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 That's an unintended consequence, right? Yeah. Listen, it's great having you on and I appreciate you dialing in from the woods uh-huh. and uh, it's unitedbyblue.com. That's it. Yep. Awesome. I will go there. I promise today. Thank you. It's got the holiday you- shop up now. It looks, if you're feeling bad about the current world, unitedbyblue.com will turn your spirits into something much more positive. (laughs) Well, I love that. 
I didn't get any of the COVID-19. I'm actually like COVID fit right now. So hopefully you have like extra small diminutive yeah. sizes for shredded little guys like me. So there I'm we looking go. for those things as well. Brian Layson, man, it was, it was awesome chatting with you. I appreciate your vision. It was great hearing about your journey and I wish you all the best. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Looking forward to having you back on as well. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quipkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of companies, organizations, and people who make it their mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing production team, including Lindsay Hand, Dara Cawthron, Julie Strickland, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show and sponsorship opportunities at brandonpurpose.com. Learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com.